0: welcome to the 41st episode of the week with roger a conversation between analysts about all things telecom media and technology from recon analytics i'm don kellogg and with me as always is roger retner how you doing roger
1: i'm good how are you
0: i'm good so this week we're going to talk about telecom regulatory policy we've got a number of topics to run through here let's start with broadband and where the broadband infrastructure plan is what's the latest in that space
1: well, they still can't agree with each other, but it looks like that there will be around sixty-five billion dollars in broadband funding, and
0: and that's down from a hundred billion initially, right?
1: down from a hundred. There's still a hundred flying around in a more partisan plans, but it it looks like sixty-five billion. And that it goes probably through the states. The states will get block grants, and then the states can roll this out. So there's no, like, big feeding trough in in Washington, D.C., but there are a lot of smaller cash incentive injections from the states. So that brings the, the funding much closer, and... It gives the opportunity to also, uh, in a bipartisan way, that both parties can dole out this money and make people happy from that perspective. But that's, that's what it looks like right now.
0: Now, are we still seeing sort of an emphasis around symmetrical, a.k.a. fiber, or is that kind of no longer a key focus?
1: Well, th- there's a lot of pushing that it should be technology agnostic, and I think the the Dissart paper that that has been brought up uh, again and again basically said, you know, if you want to increase coverage to, to 98% of the country, it's $40 billion. And if you want to get the last 2%, it's another $40 billion if you do it with fiber. And, you know, most people are like... Wait, I can connect you know, twenty percent for the same as the last two. That's a tough pill to swallow, right? So the fiber purists, I think will have to recognize that if somebody lives in a hut uh, on a beautiful mountain, that he might not get a fiber connection. And so I think reality is setting in that that it has to be, technology agnostic and whatever technology works best will be used
0: well i think you also have to think about the best use for the money right so the cost to cover on fiber relatives the cost to cover for somebody that's rural like that versus you know if you're using a wisp or even like a satellite or something like that is very very different right so if we yeah. are going to allocate a certain amount of dollars towards connecting everybody you know, i think yeah. it's incumbent to spend that money in the best way possible and you know as a as a fiber customer i love fiber i know you're a fiber customer as well yep. but you know running fiber up to the top of a mountain is not really always economically feasible right
1: yeah and you know we're still early days with spacex but when you read some of the articles of people who, who have been very bullish about it and because they hate cable and they hate fiber and they hate everybody, they're like, oh, yeah, it's really awesome for about 45 minutes and then the satellite goes away or, you know, if there is a tree somewhere on the horizon, we have problems. And so these, these reality things are are setting in and so you know Elon Musk might may be able to fix it i hope so but until then we live today
0: my understanding from what i've read is that there's a lot of line of sight difficulties that folks will tend to have as as the satellites move through the sky you may, you know, if you, if you end up behind a tree, then you, your internet goes away, right? And if you go on Reddit, the SpaceX forum on Reddit has some pretty fantastic pictures of people's platforms they've built to push their satellite dishes up higher and things like that. It's it's, it's still very much, I think, an emerging technology in terms of yeah. how it works and particularly on the reliability side.
1: Yeah, I, I hope it will work because it would be fantastic, right, In, in for rural areas. But until then,
0: let's see. So next up from a regulatory uh, policy perspective, I want to talk a little bit about the nomination process for a number of the different agencies. So FCC, NTIA, FTC, DOJ, there seems to be a lot of delays in terms of appointing folks to these agencies that are necessary to kind of run those agencies and, and specifically to create policy. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Well, that's one of the puzzling things that the Biden administration hasn't been more aggressive here because these agencies can make a lot of a difference. And under Trump, they made a lot of a difference because they can make policy. And the, the party in the White House has a majority and they don't have to do the same horse trading that they do have to do on, on Capitol Hill. So they can push a lot of very meaningful things through. And the only one that they have really done right now is Lina Khan.
0: Who's at the FTC, the new FTC.
1: Who went through the, the Capitol Hill approval process as FTC commissioner. And then a day or two after she was approved as FTC commissioner, they told the current acting commissioner, by the way, Lina will be the new commissioner. And then they publicly announced it, uh, a chairman. And now Lina Khan is the FTC chairman. And chairman in all of these things is a powerful position. But at the same time, If Republicans would have known, or and Democrats would have known, that Lena Khan would be FTC chairwoman, they would have given her a lot bigger grilling than than what she got. They kind of slipped a fast one there, right? Maybe hoping they will forget. But that also will make it quite interesting. At the FCC, the one where we look at a lot, there was a lot of jockeying before... Rosenwurzel became FCC chairwoman because Starks, the other Democrat, also wanted to be a chairperson. Rosenwurzel has longer tenure. But now that the Biden administration did this at the FTC, it's a whole new gamble. It's like because everybody was like... Well, Rosenwurzel does a really good job. She's she's pushing things forward. She's getting things done. She's probably be then permanent FCC chairwoman. While well, she's still acting, so who knows what happens with the with the next one? But until then, and even at the FTC, you still have a two two situation where where you have a Democratic commissioner missing, so they still have to focus largely on on topics that are palatable on a bipartisan basis. You still have a 2-2 situation at these commissions, and that's not a majority, so you basically need to have bipartisan buy-in. So it's very interesting how casual they're taking the agencies that, that can make such a huge impact. And also... From the DOJ antitrust situation, we have several items that are are looming. The FTC will look at at a potential breakup of of Facebook. I think they only want to really get to that when when you have a full FTC. There's still, you know, the merger between.
0: Although, in fairness, breaking up Facebook may actually be a bipartisan thing, right?
1: It might be, right? But uh, the the question is, what are the remedies and all of these things? Right, right. So if they get all five votes, more power to them. I look at it this way. There's a lot of rhetoric around we hate Silicon Valley. But what was the first bill that the new House passed? It was like, let's bring back Title II net neutrality. That was the first bill of House Democrats. That's how much they hate Silicon Valley and Facebook, who are the biggest proponents of, of net neutrality. And we all know since net neutrality rules got, got rolled back, the internet came to a standstill, and we can barely use the internet anymore, right? As a reality check, internet is faster than in this country than ever, right? And, and it continued to increase in speed during the pandemic. And all of that, while we weren't protected by net neutrality things, and suddenly nobody's internet went out. And, you know, you had no drama queens that had, like, coming down to a drip.
0: So we kind of we slipped into the net neutrality topic. I think we've, we've, we've generally covered it. The next thing to cover here that's starting to come into focus is spectrum, right? So specifically yeah. the 3.45 auction. We've got to come up with a better name with that because that doesn't really roll off the tongue. Is coming on October 5th. Uh, it's going to be auction 110. What should we know about this auction? And you know what What are the relevant kind of movements recently that we've seen? Well,
1: it's 100 megahertz. The most somebody can buy is 40. And so that kind of puts a lid on it.
0: Well, and as a reminder, in, in 107, where there was 280 megahertz available, at t bought 80 and Verizon bought 100, right? So right. Verizon bought as much in the last auction as the entire auction will be will be available in the entire auction for 3.45. Yes.
1: Yeah, so by default, that means you can't run up the, the bill as much as you could with... The C-band auction. We all thought that, oh my God! And probably somebody in in Denver was very happy, thinking, oh my God! You know, AT and T and Verizon have a balance sheet that can't support bidding heavily on it, and then they got rid of, (laughs) rid of things. Now this looks again as a as a real for all of them as a real fight and. Rogers kind of hinted when he was talking last time at, at Credit Suisse that they have like ten billion dollar headroom in in their capital structure. Hint, hint, right?
0: So it'll be interesting. That's that's coming up in October, and there's also two point five gigahertz spectrum, which is I think it, well, it used to be allocated to educational institutions. That's going to yeah. be available sometime next year. What, what what do we know about that so far?
1: and churches and all of that this is very close to what t-mobile has now in 2.5 it's 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 quite adjacent it makes a lot of sense for them but who knows maybe somebody comes in and and pees in into t-mobile's cornflakes and uh, and is giving them a run for the money there here's yeah. the thing it has happened before If you remember, uh, the PCS spectrum, the G-block, it was a natural extension for Sprint to buy that because it was adjacent to, to Sprint's nationwide network. And the winner was Dish, right? Because Dish came in and bought the nationwide reserve price. So it has happened before that the guy who we thought would be the natural winner went home empty-handed. So somebody might very well come in in the 2.5 gig area, whoever will, likes to have leverage, right? Who could that be? And and really give things a run for the money.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, heaven forbid that we'd have to call into more T-Mobile calls and, and not hear about how they have so much more mid-band spectrum than anybody else. I feel like if there's a bingo card for a T-Mobile investor call, If you don't have you know we have far more mid-band assets than anybody else and you're not going to win the bingo game
1: yeah mid-band leadership and if i would drink a shot at every investor thing where that comes i wouldn't be able to work afterwards
0: (laughs) all right well i think that's all we have time for this week thanks roger we'll talk to you next week
1: okay talk to you next week